I'm Nicholas J. Hearn from EditorCore.com, and you're listening to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Becoming a cop, especially today, isn't easy. Learning how to become one, even more difficult. I'm Officer Tommy Model, and I've been a cop for a decade plus. Grab a warm cup of coffee, open your mind, and take in my free field trip. Today on Free Field Training, we are going to talk about thieves. And I don't mean the type of thieves in law enforcement that we deal with, the people that we arrest, people that we come in contact with, the type that are out stealing folks' wallets. I'm talking about the type of thieves that you meet on the job because you're a new cop. This has come up with several of the people that I've trained, and so I think it's important to bring it up to everyone today. There are people out there and unfortunately, many of them are police officers that see a new person and they see dollar signs. It's a sad reality. They see dollar signs and they will do anything in their power to take part of that budget that that new person is ready to spend on cool new tactical gear and spend it for them. A lot of them are people that are making products. You see a lot of them on the internet. You see them in Instagram ads and Facebook ads and YouTube ads and stuff like that. Everyone who's into guns knows that this is a thing in the concealed carry market, in the gun industry. You see holsters that make no sense at all. Holsters that's their primary component is Velcro or stretchy elastic. You'll get a product like this, right? I have pictures of this that I am talking about up on the Facebook page. This, for those of you who are listening on the podcast, is a 4-inch by 11-inch police patch. It's the type that you normally see stuck to the back of a vest with a strap of elastic sewn onto the far ends of the patch. Now, the reason that I made this about five years ago is that my department's vest, if you've watched my video about police duty belt that's up on YouTube, you'll see that my department's vests do not have a patch that says police on the back. It's just blank back of the vest. When I would work an undercover detail, well, not really undercover, but plain clothes detail, or I would work a side job where I was working security, we're allowed to wear things that say police on them to work security, but I wouldn't have a patch on my back. And so people from the back, they didn't see any identification showing that I'm the police. So we would wear long sleeve t-shirts that say police down the side, but that's not really super visible from straight behind. So I made this. Notice all it is is a police patch that already exists. I bought this and I attached elastic to the back. Unfortunately, there are companies, companies that get very angry when I talk about this, but I don't care. There are companies out there that take elastic or Velcro things and they make products that already have been being used by police officers for decades and they sell them to people at an exorbitant price because they see dollar signs. There's companies out there making little loops of elastic that attach your radio microphone to your vest cover. If you've watched my videos, you've seen at least on a couple of them. I just use a black hair tie and there's nothing wrong with using a black hair tie for that purpose. It is the exact same thing as buying some doohickey to put on your uniform shirt. If you follow me on Instagram and Facebook, you have seen me post videos about how to make sure people can't just close the door behind you. But of course, there are people out there making doohickeys to stick in doors to keep the door open. Never in 11 years, probably eight to 10 calls on a slow day, every single day for 11 years, have I been at a loss for something to stick in a door so people don't close the door on me and lock me into a building and lock my back up out of the building. 
But there are people out there actively marketing the new guys. Hey, hey, hey you need you need to do all the you need to buy my product and keep it in your pants pocket and then you can pull it out and you can wrap it around the door handles and it holds the door open. You know what else holds the door open? The carpet that's on the floor holds open doors real well. Throwing the deadbolt on the door holds open doors really well. Take an FI card, the little interview cards or instant cards or a business card and shoving it in the lock of the door, closing it in there so it holds the door open. All those things hold doors open great. You don't need to buy a little doohickey. You don't need to buy a little doohickey to hold your microphone onto your vest. The microphone will stick on your vest just fine with a black hair tie. You just attach the black hair tie to wherever you want to put the microphone, just slide the mic in and clip it on. It's done. It's not difficult. And they're essentially free if you've got a wife or a girlfriend or a mother or a sister that lives in the same house with you. They all have these little black hair ties. You suck them up with a vacuum three times a day. They're all over the place. All over the place. The same thing happens with Velcro. Companies will make holsters and things to put your badge on your uniforms made out of pieces of Velcro. Let me tell you something. This elastic that I put on the back of this police patch, it's pennies. Literally pennies that this thing costs. A hair tie, pennies. They cost essentially nothing. You don't need to buy these things. When people market this type of stuff to you as a must-have or a lifesaver or any of that, what they're saying and what you need to hear when they say those things is you are dumb because that's what they're thinking. They're thinking you're dumb enough to give me your money when you could clearly just make this if you had the knowledge to do it. None of these things that they're making, none of them, are products that have not existed for decades. Guys have been cutting up tire inner tubes when they work in towns that have lots of auto-closing doors. They've been cutting up tire inner tubes and putting a hole in it, wrapping around door handles for decades. You do not need to pay someone to do this for you. You look at the product and go, oh, I see what this is. It's, it's a tire inner tube. You don't need to pay somebody something to attach something to your uniform. It comes with a little clip to attach it, and you can use one wrap Velcro, which is widely available pretty much anywhere, or you can use an elastic hair tie, which is widely available anywhere, to attach this stuff to your uniform. They sell little clips for Molly to attach wiring to your Molly so you can attach your microphone and your headset and all that on there. Use one wrap or zip ties. Zip ties, guys have been using zip ties to attach things to Molly since Molly was invented. They've been zip tying things on. It is not that difficult. This is not stuff you need to buy. You don't need to pay somebody, and I don't care if it's five bucks. Five bucks, then $4 for shipping or whatever. Just use a zip tie. It's not that difficult. Don't let people suck money out of you because you're new and you don't know any better. Look around at the things other people are doing. And don't be in a big hurry when you first get a police job, you get that first couple paychecks to spend all of that money. It's going to be expensive enough to buy the stuff you need to buy. Don't go buying stuff because some dude at the counter at the store told you you need it or it's a game changer or at the uniform supply shop said you needed it's a game changer. Don't do that. You're going to lose a lot of money you don't need to lose. Speaking of uniform supply shops, uniform supply shops will lie to you to sell you stuff you do not need. So make sure you go with someone who knows the stuff that you need. Don't take your mom or your brother to go to the uniform supply shop thinking that they're going to help you out unless they were cops. And especially unless they were cops at the same agency. If you're like me and you have to pay for all your own stuff, bring someone with, trust me, this is something that I, I failed on early on. I spent a lot of money I didn't need to spend. Bring someone with who knows what you need and knows what size to get it in. Uniform supply shops will sell you stuff like uniform pants and uniform shirts 
that fit just perfectly. They like selling you stuff that fits just perfectly because they know the first time you go on midnights, you're going to get fatter. And they know that you don't know that you're going to have to put a vest under that shirt. And if it fits perfectly, now it's going to be too tight with the vest under it. You're going to have to go back and buy more stuff. And guess what? Once you wear it or you apply patches to it, you can't return it ever. Not ever going to get money for it. That leads me directly to the third type of thief that you're going to learn about one way or another in law enforcement when you're new. And that is friends from the department that are selling you stuff. And right up on the top of that list is friends that are selling you uniform items or just about anything that they say were really lightly used. We, I didn't use this a lot. You didn't use it a lot. Why'd you buy it in the first place? And if you didn't use it a lot, why didn't you use it a lot? It's a lot like buying military surplus stuff. It's either going to be very well used or there's a reason that they don't use it anymore. The big one that I see new guys get caught up in is guns. A cop at the agency will be selling a gun and they will find some new guy to sell that gun to. And it's always the same line. I bought this gun and I only shot it a couple of times. And then they want full price back for it. Or they want a little over what it's worth now because they're hoping the new guy doesn't Google up how much the gun is going for. They'll take them over onto one of the, the many gun selling websites and be like, oh, look, somebody's asking $1,200 for this shotgun. You can't look at what they're asking for it. You have to look at what they're selling at. And people can ask for anything online. That doesn't mean they're going to sell it at that price. So you have to be very careful about when you're buying a gun that one, you know what you're looking at. And two, that you're paying what the gun is going for, not what someone's asking for it online. I've seen lots of new guys get scammed by administrators and very experienced officers and range instructors and stuff like that selling guns that are either worn out of absolutely no use or they're way, way, way overpricing them. And they see a new guy, and a lot of these guys know they've been doing this 20, 25 years, wheeling and dealing in guns because they've got this market of new people to wheel and deal guns with. And they will take advantage of the new guy knowing, well, he's new, probably doesn't know as much as I do. And if he does, he's just going to laugh and walk away. If you're brand new on a police department and someone is already trying to sell you a gun, let's say you've been on less than a year, they're trying to sell you a gun, that is a huge red flag that you are about to get bent over the table on the price of that gun. A gun that's been used a couple times has a name for those of us who know about firearms and about wheeling and dealing in firearms. That is called used. You are selling me a used gun. So whatever the retail price is, that price is going down from there because you have used it. And when you have a gun that is in extremely good shape and it's used, you don't pay full price for that because there's a reason that person's getting rid of it. Either A, they're getting rid of it because they bought it and they don't like it for whatever reason, and you're probably not going to like it for the same reason, or B, the thing doesn't work right, and now you're going to spend a bunch of money on it. Occasionally, you'll get someone who is your quasi-professional backroom gun dealer who buys things when they know there's a scare going on and then sells them you know, later on down the road when the scare gets worse. They'll buy things when the market's low and sell them when the market's high. That's not a terrible thing if you're getting a good deal on it still. We had guys that bought up a bunch of AR-15s when they were you know, $600 and then sell them off when they're $1,000. That's not necessarily a bad deal for you if you get it for $900 or you get it for the $1,000, but a lot of them will charge $1,200 and be like, well, now there's a big scare on. You don't know how, how long you're going to be able to get these. Better buy now, better buy now, better buy now. Get the same thing with cars. There's guys in law enforcement that know a lot about cars. They've been wrenching on cars since they were little kids. They were mechanics before they were cops. Now they're cops. They know all about the intricacies of how cars work and how to 
high damage on cars and stuff like that, guess what? They'll screw you over on a car. And you got to be careful for it. I'm not telling you not to trust the people that you work with. But when it involves money and you're brand new, be careful because there are people out there that will take advantage of you. A lot of these companies that are selling stuff, they all advertise, oh, it's law enforcement owned. This was designed by this cop and he worked in New York and yada, 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 yada. None of that. All that matters when you're buying something is, is it worth the price you're paying for it? Do you need it? And does it do the job better than your other options? If the answers to those are no, there's no reason to buy that product. Don't give that person your money. Don't buy that gun. It's just that simple. So be careful of those thieves in law enforcement. There are some of them out there. There are guys that do nothing, but they see a new person and they see dollar signs in their eyes. And I've seen a lot of new guys get scammed buying a $1,200 shotgun that actually only is 600 bucks and is used, but no one told them it was used. They said it was only used a couple of times. And they're, they're relying on people to not know when they first come on and to trust when they first come on that another police officer wouldn't scam them out of money. And while we would like to think that that's true, it's not always the case. We're going to take a quick break here at Free Field Training Podcast. While you're listening to the words from the people that helped me do all this, head over to freefieldtrainingpodcast.com, click on the contact button, and send me your thoughts about this episode. We'll be right back. A circular shield featuring a silver star. The values, dedication, and leadership that are innately American. You can look for a long time inside of comic books and not find a lot of these. However, inside of Marvel's Captain America, the first Avenger, we find all of them and more. Check out what many are calling the best representation of transfer from comic book page to the silver screen. It's the Captain America Perspective Review, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of Marvel Studios' Captain America, the first Avenger. Check it out now at PerspectiveReviews.com. That's PerspectiveReviews.com. Talking is proud to announce a new program on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Conspiracy Agents. Check it all out now at conspiracyagents.com as another new year of captured perspective here at Two Guys Talking begins. Conspiracy Agents. That's conspiracyagents.com. The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug. www.podcastbug.com Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Unlike TV or radio ads, where every instance the ads are broadcast, they're only played once and lost forever. Perpetual advertising could have repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, and even years after they're inserted in a podcast. So even if a podcast is a few years old, your ads will still be impactful to repeat listeners as well as new listeners. This gives your advertising dollar the most bang for the buck. Find out more about perpetual advertising at twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Everyone, welcome back to the Free Field Training Podcast. Now I'm going to train you for free from your own comments and questions. Let's get to it. 
Okay, he's Rustic Design says, What's up, brother? Thanks again for the help yesterday. You are welcome. Mokehi's Rustic Designs, he sent me a message on Instagram. There's lots of ways you can get in contact with me. You can contact me through my Facebook page. You can contact me through email and through freefieldtraining.com. There's a little contact me button at the bottom and freefieldtrainingpodcast.com. There's a little contact button at the bottom. Mokehi's Rustic Designs contacted me via Instagram and was asking me questions about flashlights to use for duty. I'm always happy to take those types of questions from people and to give the best answer that I possibly can that weighs what their budget is versus what the realistic expectations that they have. Some stuff just doesn't line up. If you ask me, what's a good thousand lumen flashlight for $15? I'm going to say, well, what are you really using it for? Like, well, I need it for police duty use. Well, guess what? That doesn't exist. You can have it reliable. You can have it bright and you can have it cheap, but you can't have all three. One of them's got to give. And if you want it reliable, bright and cheap, you're going to pay a whole bunch of money. But he was contacting me on the Instagram. I helped him work through a few equipment problems that he was having. He's just going to the police academy now. Good luck at the academy, Mokehi. Bonkatron says, what's up, Tommy? Love the vids. I'm glad you like them. Please share them with your friends and family. Let people know. I know I just got a message from somebody the other day. I wish I could remember their screen name on here on Instagram. And he sent me a picture of him at his desk with his notebook in front of him at the academy. And they were watching the note-taking video on YouTube. One of my videos. Warms my heart. Kyle923443 says, hello from Northwest Indiana. I'm also in Northwest Indiana right now. Awesome videos, going to pursue a career in law enforcement. I'm glad you are. Please stop on by, watch through the videos. If you have any comments or questions, please contact me. I'm always looking for more ideas for videos and podcasts and live streams. E.W. Morris says, Tommy going off. Ha, ha, ha. I don't like seeing this. And I get companies that contact me all the time wanting to hawk stuff. And sometimes if I look at them and it looks like they're offering a product that makes sense, that has a viable use for somebody that would watch the videos, I'll go with it. I get crap every once in a while about doing videos about like Thor Fire flashlights. People go, oh, those are garbage. Well, they're not garbage. They just, they have limited capabilities. And at the price point, they give you a lot for your money. I'm not telling you you should use it as a police duty light, but there are a lot of people out there and there's a lot of people that watch the channel that are looking for a cheap light for their first job as a security guard, making minimum wage. And if that's you and one of those store fire works, works for you, then that's great. And I want you to at least have a realistic expectation of what you're getting into and being able to see someone playing with the light. And I know seeing someone playing with the light always helps me decide what piece of equipment I want to buy. If I see somebody playing with a piece of equipment on video, you can see a lot more of the details of it and the construction and how well it works than just buying it off of pictures online. And getting a realistic idea of what it's going to do, it compared to something else. I think that helps a lot of people. I get companies all the time that want to send me body armor. And I send them one of the body armor videos. And I go, this is what I'm going to do to it. I want you to know I need three copies of it. And we're going to shoot it. And I'm going to make a good video about it. But I'm going to show realistically what it does. And then when we're done, I'm going to disassemble it. And there's only been two companies so far that I've done that with who have said... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Let's do that. I'll, I'll send you stuff. And everybody knows what they are because they're up on YouTube right now. They sent me body armor and we shot it and we showed realistically what that body armor does. I hate when companies send me stuff and they just like, it's some item that's commercially available on the normal market that's spray painted black. An item that you can get at Walmart that's spray painted black doesn't do anybody any good at all. I don't know why you even bother making it. And all you're doing is stealing from people. You're stealing from people hoping that they're stupid enough to buy it.
it really bothers me that people take advantage of new guys, both on the, the civilian gun side, the CCW market, and especially with law enforcement, and especially when it's older cops or administrators or supervisors taking advantage of new guys that are coming on the job. E.W. Morris says, I spy a safe life defense tee. We're watching on Instagram and people can see the t-shirt I'm wearing. It's got the ghosted safe life defense logo on it. Yeah, a company that I'm not hesitant at all about recommending their stuff because it does exactly what it says it does. They say it's the most protective soft body armor you can get. That's full coverage and at a great price. And it's 100% true. And I've tested it over and over again. And I've never been displeased with the stuff that they've made. So I can recommend them. Does Safe Life Defense tell everyone we have the most flexible body armor on the market? No. Do they tell them it's the lightest body armor on the market? No. They tell you exactly what that armor does. And if you contact them and ask them questions about the armor, and it doesn't sound like you're going to make a sale, they say, hey, listen, we're just happy you were interested. We don't necessarily need to sell you our armor, but if you're in an industry where you're carrying a gun for a living, please buy somebody's armor. And I think that says a lot about them as a company, that they're perfectly okay with saying, hey, yeah, go ahead, buy AR-500 plates. If that's what you really think you need, you need side steel rifle plate protection. If that's what you think you need, that's great, but buy some armor. And we're always here if you find that you need full coverage soft armor that's the most protective you can get on the market that you can put plates in the front of, because that's the product that we make, because we think that works for most people. And we think it gives you the coverage and protection that you need. I can respect that. And that's why I wear their t-shirt. Plus they sent it to me for free. Full disclosure, they sent the t-shirt to me for free. And everybody that watches the channel knows I like black t-shirts. So black t-shirts an easy go for me. Mary Anora says, can you tell me about self-sponsor and sponsor? I don't know what sponsor is. Self-sponsoring to a police academy is when you can send yourself to a police academy. Certain states like Michigan allow people to just pay their own way into the police academy and to go through it and then market themselves as an already certified police officer. Uh, in Illinois, where I work, you can't self-sponsor. You have to go get a job at a police department and then they send you to the police academy. Adam Ram 40 says, did you get a chance to try on those 5'11 sneakers? Uh, 511 Tactical makes a pair of gym shoes. I've seen them for quite a while. And I was asking Tactical Minded about his 511 gym shoes that he just bought. And he posted up on his Instagram. And he said he really likes them. I haven't seen them in stores. And because my feet are a little odd, I have to wear shoes before I can buy them. I can't just buy them on the internet and try them. They probably wouldn't fit if I bought, you know, my normal gym shoe size. Dylana54 says, how many uniforms do you have? And what's the upkeep like? I buy uniforms and I buy enough for my whole week. I work fours and twos. So four days on, two days off. Then we have a training day every month and we come in 15 minutes early every day, which makes up the hours and time and stuff to a normal 40 hour work week by the time we're all done with it. I have four short sleeve uniform shirts, four long sleeve uniform shirts, four pairs of uniform pants, one pair of normal uniform boots, one pair of cold weather boots. You can see a lot of this on the videos on YouTube. I got a couple of hats and a coat. And then all the other accessory stuff, the vest, the belt, and all that stuff. So what I have set up is that when it's cold out, I have four long sleeve shirts. I can wear one every day, and I just wash uniforms at the end of the week. Four short sleeve shirts, I can wear one every day and wash them all at the end of the week. And I just normal machine wash my uniforms. You don't have to do anything special with a lot of the BDU style uniforms. I wear Blower Poly Rayon blend pants. And they wear like iron even when they're just washing a normal washing machine. You don't necessarily need to dry clean them. Now, my dress uniform gets dry cleaned and pressed. It doesn't have the pockets. It's all polyester. 
it's all a polyester weave and it stays nice and crisp for for dress events but for working the street i don't i don't do anything but machine wash the uniforms and that works a lot better if you don't buy the poly cotton blend cheapest uniform pants you can get your hands on orcatron says have you ever field trained an officer that was an fto at their old department if so what was it like I haven't. I trained a guy, actually my first trainee was a police officer at another agency in Illinois who transferred over to us, and he had been on the exact same amount of time that I had. So we had equal experience, which was great because I learned almost as much from him as he learned from me. He was huge on DUIs at his old agency, and I don't do a lot of DUIs where I'm at. And so I learned an exceptional amount about DUIs. He taught me a boatload about DUIs, which was great. And I taught him a whole bunch about the tactical necessities of the new area that he was in. And we bounced ideas off of each other. And we had a lot of fun because most of the things that I have to teach people when they're brand new on the job, I didn't have to teach him. So phase one right away, he was hitting the ground running, which was a fantastic experience. I loved it. And it was a great experience to have as the first time training someone. It made it a lot easier that I could spend my time learning how to do the paperwork and the administrative side and not have to worry so much about making sure they didn't kill themselves. Gordon Kempshire says, what's the worst purchase you made when you were a rookie? The worst purchase that I made when I was a rookie was uh, uniform pants that were that fit me, which is why I bring that up. I got uniform pants that fit me when I was at the lightest I've ever been in my life, and in the summertime. You have to expect that you are going to gain weight as you get older. That's just a fact of life for the vast majority of people out there, and you work anywhere that gets cold, you're going to have to put long johns on under these pants, maybe two pairs of pants when it's really cold, and you're going to have to be moving around and bouncing around and lifting your legs up and stuff like that, climbing over fences, buy your stuff a little large. My biggest problem when I was a new rookie was buying things that were too small and wouldn't expand out. Like They don't tell you, oh, you're going to have to put four layers on, and then this shirt, and then a vest on, and then another shirt. They don't tell you that when you first go. So so buy buy everything at least one size larger than you need. And luckily, uniform pants, good uniform pants from a good company, they come in single digit sizes. So if you're a size 32, you can buy 33 pants and have them just a little bigger. And that's what I suggest for people. Buy yourself a little time on gaining weight and buy yourself a whole bunch of time on having to buy a whole new wardrobe for the winter time because you have to put long johns on. Josh says, nice video about the Olight, LOL. I haven't contacted Josh about giving him his Olight back, partly because I like it. But I will give it back to you, Josh. I should probably message you today and meet up with you at some point and give you the light back. But thanks a lot for letting me borrow it. I just did a video about a new Olight flashlight. It's up on YouTube right now. And thank you so much, Josh, for letting me borrow it. Adamat12 says, can you do a video on how police think on armed calls? Well, every call that we go to is a, is a call there's going to be a gun at, and probably a knife, probably a couple guns and a couple knives, if there's a couple cops there. Probably several guns and several knives, if I'm one of them. So every call is an arm call. Here's the thing that I get most from people, the question I get the very most about going to calls is, do you get scared? And the reality is that, for me, I don't have time to get scared when I'm going to a call. I've got a job to do, and I'm focusing on doing that job. I hear that a lot from firefighters too. They say, aren't you scared being up on the roof, cutting holes in the roof and the building's on fire and they go, oh, well, I got a job to do. They say, I know I've got a better chance of making it through this okay if I concentrate on my job. So that's what I do. Brandon Weaver says, what jacket is that? This is a 511 Sabre 2 
so a few years old and I'm just starting to get little holes in the cuff where you can see the, the lining coming through. So my plan for right now is to just hit that with a magic marker, <laughs> continue wearing it. And at some point I'll probably buy a new one, but it's an expensive coat. It's like $250 coat, but I've really liked it. It's got lots of little pockets that you can put stuff in, which is great for when I'm not working. And it's really great because it's got drop down panels for our emergency ID for when I'm training someone. Although it's a little cold for this jacket now. It's not supposed to be a hot jacket, just kind of supposed to be a windbreaker that's got lots of capabilities. I really like this coat. Gordon Kempshire says, random question. My family just got the stomach flu. Can you talk about working sick as a cop, how many sick days you get, and when you have to just go in anyway, et cetera? Most of the sick days that I use are because my kids are sick. Luckily, the place that I'm at, I earn a sick day every month. Now, I can't use them all. I can't, like, earn it and burn it constantly, like, earn a sick day, burn a sick day the same month. There's a certain number of occurrences I can have, but they're pretty flexible with being able to take sick time in order to take care of family stuff. And so when I have to stay home because the kids are vomiting all over the place, I stay home. When I'm sick, if it's not too terrible, I'll go to work if I don't have to work with someone because I'm in a car alone. There's a minimal number of people I can get sick. And if it's just, oh, I got a tickle in my throat, I don't stay home because I have to save those days for when my kids get really violently ill, which unfortunately happens a lot because I got small kids. EIO88 says, I'm a barber now, but I want to leave the industry to become a cop. What do they look for in your background? I have never been in trouble or arrested, but did a bad in high school. I'm going to be 30 years old. Well, luckily for you, I have an entire video about background checks and education requirements and all of that. But here's the thing. As a general rule, the more time you put between the bad stuff that's in your background and today, the better off you are. And there's no exact formula for it. Different agencies set different rules, and some of them it's just arbitrary, depending on what the chief or the background investigator decide. If you put something substantial, some life thing substantial between you and the bad stuff you did, oftentimes you can pass the background with stuff that if it was right after you did it would be a big issue, right? People bring up the drugs all the time. You smoked a bunch of pot in high school, but now you're 30. You put over 10 years between you and doing that, and you've been clean ever since. And all of your background record check stuff Everybody they're going to talk to is going to tell them the same thing. You're never going to piss hot. It's not going to be a problem. You're probably going to be okay. Same thing in college. Yeah, you're probably going to be okay. Smoke pot three months ago and you're like, oh, they say 90 days is all the hair test is good for. I'm totally in the clear. You're probably going to have a problem because they're going to go into your background. They're going to talk to people and they're going to find out, yeah, well, you know, I used to smoke weed. Well, how long ago? Eh, maybe a year ago. They know you lied or they know that you're still, you're still doing it. You just quit to, to pass the test. A great way to put distance between yourself and the bad things in your background is you join the military. You put 10 years between bad stuff you did and now, and four of those were you were in the army and then you got out, you got a regular job, you've had that regular job going for a long time. That's a great way to put distance between yourself and the bad things in your background and be able to pass that background as long as it's not a crime of moral turpitude, right? So like theft and like injuring people, like you did like some violent crime, you're gonna have problems with. Kerry Matheson says, did you see that 511 is making a new fold-up jacket? They've always had the packable jacket. I own one of those. It just like bundles up into one of the pockets, makes it really small, easy to carry. I carry one around if I'm not wearing this coat for training, when I'm in the final phases of field training where we're doing soft clothes, I carry one of those. I just throw it in the pocket so I can throw it on really quick if I need emergency ID. I have seen those. I don't know. Maybe 511 is making up a new fold-up jacket. But the packable jacket, the one that just packs right into the pocket, I've used those. I like it. I got a video on on YouTube. JK Art 7100 said, what is the most common duty-issued firearm sidearm? 
The most common one a few years ago was a 40 caliber Glock. Now it's probably pushing more toward nine millimeter Glocks, but I still see a lot of Glocks. And no matter what the internet tells you, I still see a lot of 40 caliber Glocks for all the reasons that I mentioned in the podcast, why cops use 40. And in the YouTube video, why cops use 40. There's a lot more going on there than just what's the best thing right now on the civilian market. There's a lot of concerns that police officers have that your everyday person don't have when it comes to firearms that we have to take into account. Most people that I see coming out of the job now, because I work in an agency where people are free to buy their own sidearm within constraints, and those constraints are, are pretty broad. Most of them that are coming in now are using either a Smith & Wesson M&P, a 9mm Sig P320, or a 9mm Glock, normally a Glock 17 or Glock 19. That's what people are coming in with. That's what seems to be common now. But as far as issuing pistols, most places around me that I see issuing pistols are issuing Glocks. A lot of them are still issuing 40s, either the Glock 22 or the Glock 23. A lot of places that issue those will give, give you a choice between the 22, which is the larger gun, and the 23, which is the smaller gun. Or they'll issue Glock 21s, which is 45 caliber full size. Or they'll issue a 17 or 19, depending on preference, which is the 9mm version. Glock Beast 45 says, why don't you wear a t-shirt over the vest? Well, you don't want the vest directly against your skin. I assume you're talking about body armor. You don't want the vest directly against your skin. So you want at least one t-shirt on, then the vest over the top, and then you put your uniform shirt on top of that at least. If you had to put a t-shirt over the vest, you'd have to go up a size of t-shirt, and now you're adding layers. You can wear a t-shirt over your vest. If you're cold, you can throw as many layers on as you want, but you want at least one t-shirt under it. Now, if you really want to suck that vest in close, they have carriers that are shaped like a t-shirt. They're compression shirts that you put your vest in, and you can put it normal t-shirt on, put the carrier that is a compression t-shirt with your body armor in it, and then put your uniform shirt on, and that gives you a lot more of a, a sucked in, put together look. So if you wear a very class A, a little very dress uniform all the time at work, that might be something to look into. I know a few state troopers around here that love those vest covers that are a, a compression t-shirt. They say it gives them, gives them more form-fitting look, especially the guys that have been working out a lot and have worked really hard on that that V look that they have. Bonkatron says, would you say college or military experience looks better when applying with police departments? A lot of places require a college education of some type. Some require only 60 credit hours. Some require an associate's degree. Some require an associate's degree in criminal justice. Some require a bachelor's degree. And a few require a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. Some places that don't have education requirements give preference to military. Some places that have education requirements also give preference to military. Some places don't care either way. The military experience is not going to hurt you. A lot of people have this conception that going in the military is going to like, it's going to disqualify you from going into a law enforcement field. It's just not true. I haven't seen anywhere that said, oh, we don't take military veterans. In fact, the Cook County Sheriff's Department, the Sheriff's Department for where I live and where I work has said for a couple years that they would only hire military veterans. Because there were a lot of military veterans that were hard up for jobs a few years ago when the war on terror was winding down and guys were coming home. They would only hire military veterans. So it's not going to look bad, but it isn't always going to waive the education background. So if you have your choice between the two, and it makes no difference either way, I would go get your education. Or go in the military if you don't have the money, go into the military and use the GI Bill to get your education to go into law enforcement. But it's going to depend on what's best for you in your life I can't give you advice on which way to go, but I know education is going to be the primary thing that's going to limit the departments that you can apply to.
So if you can do it, if you've got the money, go to college. Dylan A54 says, how often does your department assign you details like working events, directing traffic, et cetera, and is it optional? Ours is overtime. Most events and things are overtime. They're booked a month in advance and it's optional. If I have to work traffic, like directing traffic, most of that is going to be because I went to an accident scene and I was directing traffic. All the things that aren't outside of my normal duty assignment are all overtime details, and it's very rare to get called in for that. The only time that I got held in for an overtime detail was when town flooded. We had a huge flood a few years ago, and we got held there to fill sandbags and stuff. Very expensive sandbag fillers, hiring cops and firemen to fill sandbags, but they did it. I guess they really needed manpower. Called out the Boy Scout troop and anybody to get their hands on. CF580 says, thank you for all the info. What resources would you recommend for Leos to study up on legal issues slash amendments? Study case law. Read the original case law. Don't read statutes. You're gonna learn a lot about statutes. They're gonna shove statutes down your throat at the academy. And you're going to be reading statutes for the rest of your life and opening up books. What you need to know is case law. Don't read an article about Miranda v. Arizona. Don't read an article about Terry v. Ohio. Read Terry v. Ohio in its entirety. It is all available online. Read the original case law. Read the opinions of the courts. And read the dissenting opinions of the courts because you'll have a much better understanding of what the laws actually are. I've had guys very recently that have this misguided interpretation of Terry that you need probable cause to make a Terry stop. Get that all the time. What's your probable cause? Officer, what was your probable cause for this stop? You don't need probable cause for a Terry stop. And if you read Terry v. Ohio, you'll know that. And you'll be able to better articulate when you have to write in your report or you have to go to court why you did what you did and why it was reasonable and why it was legal. Statutes change, case law changes, but case law builds upon itself. A statute, the legislature can take one statute out, put another statute in, completely replace it, means all new stuff. Case law is additive. One case law adds on another case law. So if you know the relevant case law now, it'll be easier for you to learn where the law is at when you get out on the street. Gordon Kempshire says, thoughts on the HKVP9? I'm left-handed and I heard it's easier to run than a Glock for us South Polos. I currently carry a G27 and the mag release is a bit of a pain, even switch to the other side. I haven't shot the HKVP9. I have no interest in it. Anything that comes with a bunch of fanfare from a company, a whole bunch of fanfare. This is the best thing ever, yada, 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 yada. Anything that's like that, I ignore it for a good 10 years and see what people say later on down the road. People talk big about the HKVP9. And then we hear a whole bunch of stuff about if they get wet, they don't work. I've never had an experience either way, but I have no interest in it until it's been around for at least a decade. And then I can give interest to it if, if people have been carrying it. I haven't seen an HKVP9 in real life, and I've never shot one, and I don't know anybody that carries one for duty. So I have no interest in it. If you shoot it, let me know how it works out for you. I'd be interested to know. But I don't, I'm not, I don't like being the beta tester. And there's a lot of gun companies out there that are more than happy to make you the beta tester for their product. I have no interest in betting my life beta testing for a gun company. Epinero Music says, ever give someone a break and have it backfire on you? Pretty much every complaint I've ever gotten on the job was from giving someone a break. And then for some reason, when you give somebody a break, you use that discretion 
to let somebody go and be like, oh, you know what? I really don't think that this is this is worth what we're doing with it. I don't think it's worth charging the person. And then they come back and just like, he pulled me over and pulled me out of the car and searched the car for no reason. And you have to go back and be like, all right, well, we found a bunch of dope in the car, but I didn't charge you with it. But if you really want to make an issue out of this, there's the video of me pulling you out of the car and your car getting searched. Here's the records that you were suspended on the day that I had video of you driving a car. And because a bunch of other stuff happened, we decided it wasn't worth our time right now because we had armed robberies going on to lock you up for driving suspended and to lock you up for the, for the little bit of dope we found in your car. That happens all the time. That happens all the time. It's not something you'd be afraid of happening. And I know guys that are afraid of that happening. And so they just don't give people breaks. They write everyone and they lock up everybody. You can't necessarily do that. It's just, it's not feasible to just lock up everybody. You're not making a great statement for law enforcement. And when people come in and complain, and it's on video that you did the right thing, they end up looking like an idiot, and you end up looking like the guy that did the same reasonable thing to your boss. So where's really the downside at the end of the day? Can't be afraid to get complaints. You can be afraid to do the wrong thing, you can do everything in your power to do the right thing, but don't be afraid that someone's going to complain about you, because if you're out doing your job right, people are going to complain. Kino141 says, love your videos and hearing your experiences. I wish I could stay, but I'm at work. Well, this is a great thing to wrap up on. This is an Instagram live stream, which means in 24 hours, the live stream is going to be gone. But I am triple recording it. I've got the Instagram live stream going on, and I've got a microphone running to my computer here, which I am recording on. And I've also recorded it on video on the camera. So one way or the other, this is going to exist. I'm sending this off to Two Guys Talking Podcast Network, and it is going to be one of the podcasts that's going to be available on the podcast at freefieldtrainingpodcast.com, but not available upon YouTube. This is going to be exclusive content you guys get to see and be part of on Instagram that is later only going to be available on the podcast. So you're probably never going to see the video of this again. It's going to be just this one time on Instagram. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, come join us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. I do live streams all the time talking about police work and issues associated with police work. Some stuff I can put up on YouTube and some stuff YouTube freaks out about and pulls down or gives me crap about. And so we can always put it up on the podcast and give a voice to the side of law enforcement that is what's really happening instead of holding on to it and just saying, well, we can't talk about this or that. There's been a bunch of videos that have been taken down on YouTube that I've had up. They've just disappeared overnight. Apparently, you can't say sovereign citizens are delusional, even though they are. They don't like when you talk about officer discretion. They don't like when you talk about how you should wear gloves and be careful when you're handling drug paraphernalia because drug paraphernalia is nasty and a lot of the people that carry it around do nasty things with it. So you should always wear gloves. And there's a whole myriad of other stuff. Oh, they don't like talking about how if your English is a second language, you're probably going to have problems passing the tests in the police academy. This is what I've learned. So some of this stuff we're redoing, I'm going to do them on Instagram live streams. We're going to put them up on the podcast so that this information is out there for people who are going and looking for it. I wish I could stick around and do more, but unfortunately I've got a whole family life that I have to live and I have to go in for midnights tonight. So until next week, you guys be safe and take care of each other. We've got lots of ideas for podcasts, but we always need more. And we love hearing what the audience would love to hear about. Head on over to freefieldtrainingpodcast.com and tell me what questions you have and we'll make another episode about it. Click on contact, fill out the quick web form, and let's make some more free field training.